Hey guys, welcome to the Single Parent Succeed podcast. Coming up, we have an amazing guest, so stay tuned for some absolutely incredible conversation. Honestly, what an inspiration. I'm so excited to be doing this with amazing and incredible people. So tune in and catch you on the other side. And how are you, Donnie? Doing great. I'm, I'm in the same school that you're in, which is the School of Technology, trying to figure out this Facebook and Zoom business. That's right. I don't know. I, I know them independently, but connected, I'm clueless. Yeah. Right? You seem like you have your uh, your video editing skills are, uh, you know, you're, you're cranking them out. Yeah, the editing I've gotten down. I've done, uh, I started editing videos back in 2010 so celebrating 10 years i've probably produced well over a thousand videos so a thousand videos wow easily easily <laughs> yeah so it's 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 funny because every time i do it i i feel like i should just be doing uh, you know the same thing like being on a treadmill you take the same steps all the time it should yeah. be like that but it never is it's always there's always something new that i figure out uh, a, tw- a tweak here, a tweak there. So it, it's fun. That's that's one of the reasons I really love it is, you know, because I'm not one of these guys that loves routine, you know, the kind of routine that just becomes repetitive. You know, I need a new challenge. Like even when it comes to exercise, I know you're an exercise guy, right? I so, am an exercise guy, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're physically fit. The guys, when I grew up, I never got into the gym and, and hit the weights because yeah. – I, n- number one, the smell was horrible back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> the smell was just bad, right? It's like, oh, God, you guys, come on, give me a break yeah. here. But the other thing was, it's just like, you know, sit there and just do this over and over and over. It's like, okay, this it's is, you know, yeah. it gets really boring for me. So I, I've got to be dynamic and moving. So I was always like a cardio guy uh, and in playing sports. That's kind of how I stay fit, just playing sports. You know, any game, any guy, soccer here, I'm come up. Let me, let me play coach. You know, whatever it was, I just went out and did it. Uh, but when it came to like physical fitness, I just relied on cardio and, and, and that sort of thing. Only in the last like year, actually, in this last year, I really started getting into the gym. They smell nicer now, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what it is. They, they've done something with the smell. And I, I actually started hitting, I'm 58 years old. I'm still hitting personal best. Like yes. man, isn't yes. that cool? Something but to then, aspire to. But then the coronavirus hits, and like I can't go to the gym anymore. And it's <laughs> killing me. It's absolutely killing me, man. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> so you know I, what? I used to never lift weights, and now I can't get enough of it. You know? It's there's something about it. It is um, like I mean, I love I love all different types. I mean, I love all different types of fitness. You know, and I definitely enjoy the weightlifting. I love the running. I love the dynamic stuff. I also love to uh, train like sparring and, and MMA and stuff like that. If you've ever done Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is like a, uh, that if, when you talk about dynamic and, you know, talk about exercising your brain and, and, and your body in the most, you know, random and, and awkward ways, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu would be it. That's, that's using, every single part of your brain imaginable in order to be able to, you know, uh, just, just, just to learn. There's, there's, I think there's like thousands of different combinations in BJJ and yeah. um, it's, it's, it's incredible. And so, I mean, I'm not doing that right now, but uh, right now I'm, uh, I'm doing what I can, you know, I'm, I'm doing some running, doing a lot of running right now. And uh, 
uh, jump roping, you know, but every, every exercise has its own, you know, its own, uh, you know, its own thing that it's giving you, you know what I mean? With the running, it's a whole mind game. You know, it's a, there's a whole, you know, challenge to yourself with, with lifting weights. It's another type of high, you know, you, you, know, you feel that the testosterone, that's really what it's building there, you know, and, uh, and you, you know, your muscles are just, just growing. You feel that. And, you know, so there's so many, you know, all the different exercises are great. And, um, but, but, but this isn't, a, this isn't an exercise, a live stream. <laughs> We're exercising no, something it's, else. It's an exercise between the years, right? <laughs> Trying to figure all this other stuff out, yeah. which really is what parenting's all about too. That's just like, yeah. uh, it's yes. About, it's not about, you know, how big your muscles are or anything like that. It's really about, you know, what's going on up here. Yeah. And, and, you know, just like you need control of the weights, you know, free weights. If you let go of this hand, you know, you know it's going to, the weights are going to just fall down on you, right? And it's all about balance and, and, and there's a rhythm to it, right? There's a rhythm to it and, and, and there's a cadence to it and, and there's a, a way to breathe through it. So there's a lot to just like lifting that weight, right? So, and, and being a parent is really the same thing. Just, you know, it's the same type of a framework. It's just applied to parenting. You've got to pay attention to all these little dynamics that are happening. You know, so like lifting the weight is like paying attention to where your child's at developmentally speaking, right? Like you're lifting here and it gets higher and higher and it's, you know, it's stretching different parts of your muscles at different places. Right. And then when you get to here and you're trying to max out and hold, it's, it's like trying to hold the attention of your child and having them be able to hold their focus and attention on you. It, the communication is is so critical because that's how we exchange information to one another, right? Yeah. So, and a lot of times with parenting, it's just about we're horrible at communicating. No. Oh. We get impatient with it. Let's right? let's let's just let's just let's start off with the real stuff here for a second. You know what I mean? Because, okay. So this is the reality. You know, single dad, single mom. You don't you don't have to be a single dad or a single mom. But when kids are are fighting with each other. I mean, let's add Corona into the mix also and kids being home, which is a whole nother dimension to this, right? <laughs> like, you know, kids are fighting over stuff. They're, they're fighting over, over, over toys. Uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're playing one second beautifully in the next seconds, you know, they're, they're fighting because one wants to be, wants, wants to hold the dog and the other one wants to hold the dog. And you're, you know, you're talking about communication and stuff like that. That is extremely challenging when, when your nerves are really, you know, when you're, when you're really dealing with, with your own nerves during that time. Like, I mean, come on, like, I, I, you know, it's very easy to get, to get angry at the kids. You know, I mean, we're humans, we feel it's very easy to get upset. And, and so how does one even go about dealing with challenges like that when you're just dealing with your own, you know, your own, uh, your own nerves? Yeah, it's, I think the way you have to really come to terms with it is on, on one hand, you got to separate the two, like you got to get your own act together while you're, you're trying to get their act together. But at the same time, you have to meld those two things together because how you go about dealing with your own crap is how you're modeling how to deal with your own crap to your kids, right? They, we don't go to school. Think about this. I'm going to pose a question to you. Just, you know, we're going to come full circle on this. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question here. 
Why do we go to school? Why do we go to school? Why do we go to school? We go to school to, you know, to learn and develop the tools that we need um, to, to live, to live a life, uh, live a happy life, I would assume. You know, there's, listen, <laughs> it's a two-leveled question because I think that there's things we're learning in school that we don't need to right now. You know, you're asking about what I think we need to learn in school. No, just what, what, what's, the, what's the purpose of school? purpose of school is for us to learn the tools that we need to, to live in society. Right. That, that, that is in a nutshell. I mean, uh, another way I would I put a spin on it is like a school is preparing us for employment of some sort. It's, it's uh -huh. all, it's all right. external. It's how to deal with the, everything out there that we experience. But what school never teaches us is how to deal with the stuff that's going on in here. Mm -hmm. We don't learn that stuff in school and it would be, that's a shame that we don't. Yeah. And unfortunately as parents, since we never learned that in school and our, and our parents didn't teach that to us, we're kind of just stepping on ourselves, trying to demonstrate how to deal with the in the inner world to our children. Yes, absolutely. And that's where we really screw it up. Which is everything. I mean, that's the whole foundation for, for the way that you experience your life. And, you know, so it's interesting that that's not something that's, uh, that's focused on it all. Yeah, well, that's why I created Star Family Coaching. It's to teach the inner world stuff to parents who can then turn the, that learning and that understanding and teach it to their kids. Because I really think we can straighten out 90% of the craziness that we have on this planet in about two generations. But it's oh, gotta yeah. start, it's gotta start at home. Yeah. It's not, the government's not gonna take care of us uh, there's no organization out there that's going to, you know, there's no reason for them to do that. The only reason would be that they understand what the, uh, the marketplace, which is they will supply what we demand, right? If we're not demanding them to teach us how to operate internally, they'll never teach that to us. So we have to just, we have to start now with understanding that we need to get our heads together which basically self-development and you know, one of the ways you do it, you do an excellent job. You're in great physical shape, right? You stay on top of that and that helps balance you out. So you can start operating on the internal stuff as well. Absolutely. Right. Huge. Without, without the other, if you were just sitting around popping pretzels in your mouth all day, watching TV and you got a big beer belly, I mean, what would that do to your head? I can tell you that. I mean, me personally, um, but there's a lot, there's a lot of things going on in my life, a lot of things that I need to handle. And there is without a doubt that, that the physical fitness and the, the physical fitness, the meditation, uh, the, the breath work, all of it has incredible, has an incredible influence. And specifically right now, I would say that we're in a time when we're all stuck at home. You know, that, 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 that even more so how, how it comes into play and gives me the, the, the ability to, uh, to deal and to not just deal, but to, I think to thrive with the challenges that, that, that come, it doesn't mean that I don't have challenges like anyone else, but it means that, that I'm able to stay much more level headed, you know, and then again, to add another thing, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't have family here, right? So there, I don't have that, uh, that support system either. So I think that. I personally believe for for single parents, especially that that their their physical and their mental and emotional health is is so 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 important. 
Yeah, I think as if you want to be a good parent, you have to use the analogy of getting on the airplane, right? You're on the airplane and we go through the same process every single time, right? You put your seatbelt on. All of a sudden, here comes that public service announcement that they always make, right? In case of an emergency, the mask will drop down. You put it on yourself first and then you attend to others, right? Well, we should be practicing that anyways. You can only deliver 100% of you if you are 100% available. And if you, if you don't make yourself 100% available, then you're only gonna deliver a fraction of yourself. Mm -hmm. And if we, if we were to flip things around, I don't want 50% of Joshua to help me out. I want 100% of Joshua, right? And, but if you're like, you're going so far the other way with your like uh, selfless and not selfish, you're gonna, you're gonna end up tearing down your house. Yep. Your internal house is gonna get torn down and then your delivery is gonna be less and less and less and less. And at some point you're gonna be completely ineffectual, mm -hmm. right? And then, and then I'm not going to ask for help from you anymore. And you're going to feel shitty about that. And then you're going <laughs> to, I mean, so look, listen, what I'm saying is guys, you got to be a little bit selfish. Okay. Oh, Honestly, that's what you have to do. You got to, you got to, you got to take an hour or two of your day every day and say, this is all about me. Yep. It's all about me. Cause if I, if I don't get my act together, I'm not going to be there for, for my kids. I just won't be, I'll, I'll be giving 90% of myself which isn't good enough. It should never be good enough. Giving 90% when there's 100% of you potentially there, you gotta give 100%. Otherwise you're always behind the game, right? So you know, th that's my take on it. I, I think if you're going to be a parent and you've talked about it already, you're dealing with your own shit and then you're trying to deal with your kids, you really got, if you've got a lot of shit going on in you with inside of your head, you gotta take care of that first. Absolutely. You've got to get that, you get to get, take that, you know, first. And then of course it's, it doesn't mean I'm going to spend the next four years only focused on me and I'm not going to deal with my kids at all. That ain't, that's not the answer either. You've, you've got to have a balance here. So I want to feed you, your kids Absolutely. need you. So, but you've got to spend some focusing time on getting your act together. A hundred percent. You know, I, I want to point out that this is a pattern I, uh, I see often, um, I think that I saw it in myself. That's number one. Uh, and it's a pattern I see in, in many men uh, too, especially ones uh, you know, that, I, that I work with after, uh, after breakups or divorce that, well, there's a pattern where we want to be selfless, that as men, we are the givers, we're the providers. And this is something I think we're also, you know, we're biologically hardwired to do but what often will happen is, is people will uh, step into a relationship or step into a, you know, a relationship and then will lose themselves. And the same way that we're talking about being there to be able to be present for your children, uh, this is something that comes off often that the people that lose that, that core necessity, you know, uh, to take care of themselves within a relationship also, um, that, 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 you know, that it affects them. And, and, and it's something that happens that, that people will, we, it's, it's like, I want to be there for you so much that I'm going to forget about myself. And then once I forget about myself, I end up being more pissed than I am. Usually I'm not able to give as much 
as I can. I'm upset, you know, and my, my boundaries are, are now are now lost and broken. And it, it's something that I've seen so much. So I think what you're talking about is such a such a crucial and important part. And and also, you know, we're talking on a on a physical level, but we're also talking on a on a mental uh, and emotional health level that 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 time for myself, uh, that time to be alone and that time to be with my friends. You know, th these are all really, really important to, to build ourselves up and to be able to give, like you're saying, it's, uh, it is, it, it's key. And, and I'm happy that we're talking about it because I've, I, it's interesting how often I've seen that come up and within men. Yeah. I think with guys, we we're a little more left brain. And, and, and so for us, to have maybe a schedule set up for ourselves. Like what I dedicate AM, AM is all about me. That My AM hours, and of course, like eight of it's been, I'm sleeping during those eight hours. So I'm really only focusing on me for four wake, awakened hours. But I don't do anything for anybody else unless I absolutely want to do so in those four hours. I, I make sure of that. Now, occasionally I'll, I'll sacrifice the time here, but. I'm, I'm keeping track of that. I am. I'm, I'm thinking physical note of that. And then I'll get my hour later in the day or something. But it doesn't mean that I'm excluding people out of my life during that time. I, I actually exercise with my wife. So she's kind of my, my uh, exercise partner. But I don't take on any other burdens, right? It's not, it's not like, oh, I'm going to schedule appointments in the morning to meet with clients. or and It's not happening. Because I know when, if I do that, when I get to PM, which is people mode, right? I'm going to love mode, it. Yes. Right? Yeah. I, I, I'm focusing on everybody else. And I know that that four hours of, of, of getting myself in physical good shape, mental good shape, and just getting my day ordered, you know, in an orderly manner, bam, I'm so much more productive in the afternoon. So I, I can do more in the afternoon that and doing that versus just waking up. If I woke up at seven o'clock in the morning, just jumped into my daily schedule and I worked till 10 o'clock at night, 15 hours, I wouldn't get as much done as I can get done in six hours in the afternoon doing it this method because I don't make mistakes. You know, I'm not, I'm not screwing up. I'm not make, wasting time. I'm not having them fix things over and over and over and over, which if you don't take care of yourself, that's what we end up doing. We start making a lot of mistakes. There's so many different uh, aspects to it. And this is something that's shared, you know, by, by a lot of people and a lot of people in the self-development world and uh, is, is, is having, is having that time, the necessity of having that. I like that all me was, was a great uh, all me and people, people, all me was AM and then PM was people, People mode. People mode. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yeah. You know, so for me, for instance, I'm going to bring up my own, you know, myself. Well, I have the kids in the morning, right? I got my kids that I need to take, take to school. And, um, it's still very important for me to get the me in, in the morning time. And, um, what I, you know, I have my, my personal uh, morning routine is that, that when I'm up, when the kids are in school, uh, I'm up and they, they get themselves breakfast uh, and they get dressed and I actually, and I let them have some TV time. That's uh, one of, we don't watch much TV in my house other than uh, Thursday night, we have movie night. Other than that, there, we don't, we don't do the TV. 
Uh, and I'm very proud of that. And I like to be proud of that, but except for that morning time, which is amazing because they get on, they're excited to watch TV and they, they get themselves dressed. They brush their teeth. They get everything ready. They're like gorgeous and sitting there and all ready for school. And it's like, yes, you know, uh, you know, I get up and I, you know, I, I help them set up for breakfast or, and then I go and I have my meditation, my meditation mode. And as soon as meditation mode is done, then, you know, we get them off to school and, and then that's it. So, and then I continue my mornings, you know, I'll have, uh, I usually will go exercise or I'll take my dog for a walk. But um, again, that's, that, that is, uh, that's a routine that is really added to my life. And, and I, you know, I think that there's also a, a part about it. There's a self love there, which is, which is often, you know, it's reflecting something much deeper to you when you are taking that time for yourself in the morning and, and reflecting that, you know, and doing that in the morning is something that your kids see, like you said, at the end of the day, like that's the they, they will model that. Yep. And it's important. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. great. I, I, it's, I see that you've, you have figured out a great uh, reward consequence type of, situation with your with your girls where if they get dressed and ready for school then they get rewarded right for something that they want which they must have implied to you this is what we like to do and you picked up on that and go mm, all right and that's that's being a smart parent so you don't have to go the punishment route right you don't have to yell and scream at them and to get them to get ready for school and threaten them to do all this no you've flipped it around which is a smart thing to do Right, and say, oh, let me figure out what these kids really love to do. And they love TV. Okay, so what can I do to incentivate them? Yeah. So I get I get what I need because otherwise you're going to be dressing them. You're going to be your morning is going to be just completely a mess compared to how orderly it is now. Right. Incredible. So that's there you go, guys. Do the Josh Edelstein way of getting your kids ready for school. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it it works wonders for me. That's good, man. Proud of you. Uh, oh, look, we have uh, a couple uh, comments on here. I haven't been, uh, oh, we got uh, four comments. We got Ari eight minutes ago. Because we're on a little bit of a lag here. So when I'm looking up, uh, I'm seeing it. We got Jeff. Hello, guys. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Mental exercise is the toughest kind. That's right. We have Ari Block. Ari is an amazing mentor. And bingo, I use the ma oxygen mask metaphor a lot. Absolutely. Listen, if you guys have any questions that anybody wants to uh, add on, do me a favor, message them. I'll be checking my screen with the Facebook, uh, my Facebook screen, but I'm not using it because I'm using the Zoom screen, which allows, which is more in time. Um, yeah, so tell us more, Donnie. Where, where's, you know, what, I mean, well, some of the things that, that often that, you know, we're, we are going to be dealing with is, you know, is a lot of, we have kids at home, you know, the, the kids are, kids are not in school. What, what is, uh, what do we have? Any, any suggestions for, for, I mean, I'm sure we're so many different ages also, but yeah. you have to tell us. Well, I think the, one of the things is, this is happening a lot, obviously. And I've got a lot of people, like some of my fellow coaches have been contacting me late, lately and go, I don't know what to do. And so <laughs> and I've really been on all on top of this one. So uh, this is, in my wheelhouse, if you will. So the, I think the first thing we have to do is try to put ourselves in the perspective of the child. 
And, and in a child's mind, typically, if they're, they haven't gone through puberty yet, younger children, they are really associative oriented, meaning school is where they go to learn, right? They right. put that yes, packaged in a yeah. box with their brain, right? Out of my <laughs> right? Or, you know, the playground is where I go to get on this, the swing set. You know, I mean, boom. So if you say, hey, I want to put a swing set in the house, they're going to be going, huh? It didn't work. You know, that sort of thing. So it's the same thing if you're doing virtual schooling, like that's, that's big here over here for the coronavirus thing. The kids were like, you know, boycotting everything in the beginning. Like, I don't want to do that. So you, you, you have to understand that uh, their behavior is a reaction to the discomfort and the disassociation of the world that they're experiencing now. Right. So for us, it's a, it's an easier adaptation because for most of us now, and especially in this age, we're doing a little bit of work at home. We're doing a little bit of work. We're doing work all over the place. Right. So if we're having to work at home, now I got my own office here. Right? Just, I mean, I'm in my home now and I have an office. Here. This is where I do my work. So for me, I'm feeling no discomfort. It's, it's just another day in paradise, right? Except there's a lot of noise in the background. It's a little irritating, but you know, I accommodate and figure out how to work around all that. But for my kids who are used to going to a facility and being surrounded by their peers, that whole world has completely been obliterated. Yeah. And we have to understand what that must feel like and how long it would take. Cause that's a, that's a transitional shift. Just like it took you a long time to get over the divorce thing. This is a process. It's a traumatic change that's happening in their lives. Not on the same magnitude scale, obviously, but still it's a big, big adjustment for them. And they, they live moment to moment. So this is a huge, big moment dynamic shift for them. We have to, better appreciate until we get them into a new mold that feels comfortable for them uh, that that period of time which could be a couple of weeks so you're going to be dealing with a lot of strange behaviors you're going to be dealing with just all kinds of reactions and outbursts that you probably haven't seen in a while or just an escalation of what you've already been seeing and just get ready for it get ready for the storm buckle in <laughs> <laughs> it's coming your so, way man. so um <laughs> well, first off, over here in Israel, we've been on uh, official, you know, uh, lockdown. I think schools have been out for about a month now. So we started pretty early over here. So we there's definitely been, uh, I mean, I've kind of lost track at this point, um, you know, but I definitely saw a, an escalation with, uh, in terms of uh, the fighting and, and because what I've noticed is that the, the need, they need schedule, they need some sort of schedule and they need boundaries uh, in their, in their daily, you know, in through their, you know, through the daytime. And for myself, what, you know, what, what we're doing is you know, my, uh, their mom has provided a, you know, a schedule and uh, that schedule is, we don't, you know, we don't keep uh, exact to it, meaning it's not, it's not, uh, we're not like super exact about it, but what we, what we will do is that we will, you know, I will structure things, you know, one after the other so that there's, there's some sort of, uh, so there's some sort of structure to it. And that, you know, I, I do try to keep that, that, you know, at three o'clock that we're going to be doing science, math or geography and, or at two o'clock, we're going to be doing this, but, 
but in terms of a balance where it's sort of like being, you know, where it's still flexible. And I, I you had mentioned something really important before that, uh, that I, I personally never even realized. Uh, and that was uh, about mealtimes, about, you know, having mealtimes consistent throughout the day. Yeah. And, um, interestingly enough, that's, you know, that's something that I, I thought about. I said, yeah, well, that, you know, that, that's a big one. And I think, and if I'm not mistaken, I think that has a lot to do with, uh, with our uh, circadian rhythm. It has a lot to do with our, our circadian rhythm uh, mm -hmm. is balanced and how it works throughout the day. Am I correct? No, that's part of it. And there's energy factors. I mean, yeah. meal is fuel. It's fuel for the body. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I put out a course called Behavior Hacking for parents uh, because autumn you know oftentimes we see our kids misbehaving and we make an assumption on what it is that they're thinking yeah is driving that behavior and most of the time we're completely off the mark so what it is i created kind of a checklist for parents to go down uh to go okay it could be this could be this could be and you and, and right at the top is going to be sleep uh sleep schedules meal schedules and more importantly what is it that they're actually eating Okay, because if you if you have them eat on a schedule, but they are loading up on sugar, right? They're gonna be like off the charts there for the first half hour, forty five minutes. They just, you know, they literally they just went to sleep and and, and um, they didn't get to watch any TV at the mom's house today. They got to watch, got to watch them here, and they said, "Chocolate, give us chocolate!" <laughs> and they just they're yelling. You know, like pushing it. Yeah. No, no uh, there, there's some right. tricks. There, there's some tricks to that too. You can, you can, you can create. If you make chocolate, we make our own chocolate, and we make it with a, a non-glycemic sugar. So it, it basically you get the sweetness, but you don't get that spike. So it just it tastes good. Boom. You know. So I mean, there there are workarounds with these things. So you can you can accommodate them. Uh, and, and give you know make them happy if you want to do that um, but at the same time what I'm really most concerned with is what we put in their bodies right and what we're using what they're using as fuel because they really can become slaves to sugar right I mean you could be they could be like this with you one second and suddenly they they chop down a Snickers bar or something and then it, their attention span, which is already a lot smaller and shorter than, than adults, just disappears. It's like, man, boom, boom, they're just like all over the place at that point. And you were talking about that earlier, like one time, you know, one, at one point they want to play with this and then they're over here playing with that. You know, sometimes we need to step back and go, okay, what did she eat a little while ago? Could I be contributing to this lack of, you know, of focus? Um, by Because I'm not providing real nourishment to this guy. I'm, I'm just giving them happy food. <laughs> and, yeah. and so that's really critical. Uh, also, just paying attention to uh, their form of communication, which is everyone's form of communication, which is body language and expression, facial expressions. Sometimes if we just sit back and observe and watch our children, we can pick up on a lot on what's going on. And you can almost, you can sit there and journal it if you want to, but you can go, okay, Wow, she doesn't look like she's too happy. And almost about five minutes later, you can see she's going to be beating on the cat or something. <laughs> so there's a, there's a pattern there. So, so it's about really becoming more of, uh, 
you got to kind of step back from the situation and really observe rather than waiting for a behavior that, that gets out of hand uh, to explode and then you respond to it. If you take some pauses throughout the day just to go and check and really observe and say, okay, she looks like she's pretty peaceful and happy. Probably for the next 15, 20 minutes, you're going to have peace in the house. But if you really go, you go in there and she's kind of like this, you know, you know, oh, okay, there's an explosion about to happen. And if we go, well, she hasn't screamed or yelled for a moment. I, I got another five minutes ahead of me of peace. That's not the, that's not the strategy. You've got to go in and say, Hey, what's going on? What, you, you look like you're a little agitated or upset. You know, I felt that way before. And, and so tell me what's going on with you. And if they don't want to open up, you tell your story of what happened. Right. You got to connect with them at that emotional level, whatever they're feeling. We need to connect with them there. And then we can move up into the thoughts, into the thinking processes after that. But children are really emotionally and physically driven. And if you want to connect with them, that's the starting place. You know, don't go in and go, what are you thinking about? And, you know, what was in your head when you decided to do that kind of business that a lot of us will do as parents? You're not going to get anywhere with them. Yeah, it's like a completely two different yeah. levels of communication. I want to mention this is this is uh, huge. It's a really probably one of the most powerful and helpful uh, pieces of advice that I have got gotten was from a CBT therapist uh, that I actually personally had visited, and I felt that with my older daughter that we were having uh, at least I was having a hard time with a lot of tantrums. Uh, a lot of tantrums and meltdowns and I just wouldn't, I just didn't want to deal with it. It's just, it's very difficult you know, to, to, to have to go through that, especially when you're again alone and, and, you know, uh, after a day of work and, uh, I just, I just didn't know what or how to, how to handle that. And she had mentioned, uh, she, you know, I told her a lot about my daughter and she had gone over some, uh, a tip you know she sort of she sort of saw into her and mentioned that she wanted me to uh first off to communicate to her that i was with her you know um that when she would storm off you know that i could communicate to her listen i see that you're upset and and and, and it must be, i understand that it's upsetting and i know uh, you know, even if she did something that was not with the, no, not okay, that was against the rules that, you know, that I understand that you're upset and this is very difficult for you, you know, still throwing a chair is, is not okay, but I, I can still see how it was, it was, you know, how it was hard for you to, you know, to go through that. And what she communicated is, is to have me uh, communicate to my daughter that she, that I am with her, that even if she storms off the side, and she's and she because she, she's pushing me away. She's like, "Don't I can't get away from me?" And 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 I would come over and I said, "Listen, you know, I, I can see you're upset. I just want to let you know that I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Do you want me to come sit down next to you? No, get away. That's okay. That's fine. Just just let you know I'm here. I'm with you, and I'll come back and check in ten minutes. And um, I saw an absolutely huge transformation with her." where where you know her her emotions or feelings are being number one being validated that uh and and number two she was you know she would uh she would 
calm and it would take her, it, it, she would come out of those, uh, you know, those, those tantrums on her own. And it seemed to me that it, it really empowered her to, uh, to, 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 to really start thinking and feeling and, and being uh, more present with what was going on, obviously for however a seven-year-old or eight-year-old, you know, can be present. And I saw some, some really incredible changes. And this is, uh, this is something that I, I felt has been so, so important uh, is that we, we often with, with, with children is, you know, what will often happen is we, you know, parents will be like, stop crying or, 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 you know, don't do this. Or like you said, get upset that they're over them, that they're, you know, that they're acting in a particular manner, which is totally understandable. But what I found one of the most important things, and, you know, you could obviously, you know, elaborate on this is that their, their emotions need to be validated. Like they're, they're at a point where they're developing their, uh, their understanding of what they're experiencing and they need it mirrored by, they need it mirrored by someone older, you know, older than, than them. Uh, I can say that personally in my, in, you know, in my uh, growing up and I'm sure many other people uh, that didn't have it mirrored to them, it creates this, uh, this maybe some, first off, a, a, a potential shame around an experience or an emotion. And number two, uh, a, a, mis a misunderstanding, they, they start to re, uh, to, to not, you know, to not understand or to not have, uh, uh, I guess, alignment between their emotions and uh, what it is that they're feeling, you know, between what, what it is that they're feeling and how to act on it or what it means to them. Like there's a language there, right? Like there's a, there's a particular language that one develops and understands you know, as a child growing up in regards to the way that they're feeling and for people, for people that don't have it, uh, mirrored to them, it can, it, it can, you know, it turns, uh, you know, it can turn into an issue. And often yeah, it, uh, it's brilliant what you just described because it really does fall right into a lot of the frameworks as a life coach that I use. Um, and it sounds like, you know, from a CBT standpoint, it sounds like she was also very much familiar with um, another modality called ACT, which is actually something I'm producing a course for right now, which really does touch on this idea, which is more than an idea, it's an actual developmental process, where we connect with each other at the emotional level. Because that's the progression of things. We start off with this universal language called emotion that we all understand. We all understand what, what uh, anger looks like. You can walk up to somebody and see the expression on their face and see that intensity and know that that's not a happy face. Yeah. Right? We, we know that our language, our first universal language is emotion. And as a child's developing, they're trying to figure out the linguistic language that you and I will speak, okay? And that's, that's difficult. And they're trying to literally translate how they, these emotions to feelings, because that's a, that's a broader perspective of just raw emotion. It gets more complicated. A feeling is sort of a mess, a mixture of a number of emotions, right? So now the next level up is trying to tie that to the word, you know, so we can, communicate to each other what it is that we feel so it gets really layered and deep but a child is only masterful 
at the emotional level because that's what they were born with. And they start off with that and they take it with them for the rest of our, their lives. We take it with us for the rest of our life. We are emotional creatures first and foremost. And so if you wanna connect with people, you gotta get down on that level and especially with children. So as soon as you get out of the headspace and you're talking in terms and words and using all these things that they don't quite understand yet, and you get down with them and you get eye to eye with them and you do exactly that technique of mirroring the emotions, you don't even have to say anything. Just if, if she's really sad and upset, just go over, just sit with her like this. And then when you, she makes the eye contact, she understands that you understand. Wow. Wow. She understands that you understand because you're just, and then you can reach your hands like this. And if she wants to grab your hands, she will. When she's ready to be received, you bring her in and then you can, you can say, listen, I felt like that so many times. And this is what I've done. And you can start teaching her at that point so that you plant that seed in her head. So that the next time she feels that way, she doesn't throw a chair. She has another option. And she, she's receiving that option from somebody that she really feels like understands her because you've, you've gotten on her level instead of talking down at her, which most parents do. We yeah. just do it because we don't know that. Yeah. You know, we, we're conditioned, especially guys, right? We're, we're conditioned almost from the time we're, we're up and running that we got to stop crying. You know, boys don't cry. You're not supposed to cry. That, you got you to be a tough guy, right? We're all got to be tough guys. You get knocked down, you get up, you don't say a word, you, you know, and if somebody smacks you in the face, you smack them back. I mean, it, it's that sort of thing, right? And what, what's happening is we, this natural thing that we're designed to do is being conditioned away from us. We become like Pavlov's dog, but like you can't cry anymore. Right. Not permitted to. It's not cool. And then we spend the rest of our lives growing up practicing this new skill of not crying and not showing our emotions. And then when we become parents, we believe that that's the formula that we need to teach to our kids. But that's not, that's why we have so many people in, with depression, so many people with anxiety, so many people going to sell, so many people seeing guys like me because we have screwed up the design factor, right? We're designed to be emotional creatures and we, we're taking the, those pieces off of our yeah. design. Yeah. Right? If you're designed to fly and you take your wings away, you don't fly anymore. Yeah. Right? And so uh, the idea of allowing your child and acknowledging first, acknowledging those emotions, oof, that's critical. That is so critical. It's critical for any relationship, but especially with a child, to acknowledge their, their emotions first. Let's forget about the consequences of their actions at this moment. Yeah, they could have broke a window. They could. Okay, we're going to set that aside. We, we will eventually address that. But we must first connect with what's going on that got to that point. Right? Yeah. And we, so we have to connect at the emotional level with the child and sit with them long enough to the, where they really understand that we understand them and that uh, they understand us. So when, we collect, when we make that connection, and you can feel it and they can feel it too, then you, then you move up to the next level and then you move up to the next level. And eventually you get to the point to where she's not gonna wanna throw something through a window. She's just gonna go and talk to you about her issues. 
And that's what we want. We want our kids to come to us when, when they have a problem because we're, we've been around long enough to solve most of all of their problems, right? Their problems are simple to adult problems, <laughs> right? But if, if we continue to talk down at them or speak to them in such a way that they, their takeaway is that they don't get me. They just don't understand me. You speak in this high language here that I don't understand. I speak the language of emotion. Why can't you speak emotion with me? My smaller daughter will say that sometimes. She says, no one understands me. You know, she's upset over something. No one understands me. Right. Exactly. So you got to get down on that level where she feels like you understand her. Because the only thing that she's mastered, and all children master this, is the language of emotion. It's only later we learn, you know, language and expression and all this in other forms. But we, our first language is the is the emotional language. Listen, sometimes we don't even learn that. I, you know, I think that's part of part of what I part of what I like to do is to be able to help uh, people really feel, experience, and understand what it is that they're going through. Because often it'll happen that. People won't allow themselves to feel what's going on. And it's often will turn into you know, a protective mechanism and it just gets pushed down and pushed down and pushed down. And like you said, those wings, you know, are, are cut off, the wings that the butterfly needs to fly, or you know, and and and, and, and you'll find this often with, with men. I think that's you know, it's something that's, you know, it, it comes as a result of, of, you know, the culture around, you know, like you said, what, how, you know, men, you know, need to act or, or how, you know, we think, you know, how we think that we're, we're meant to act within society. And uh, so this is something that I think is changing. I think that the more that we have these conversations and the more that, um, you know, the more that we're interacting and the more that we're speaking about how to raise our children, also the more that we learn about ourselves, about our own emotions and, and how to be able to, uh, and how to, uh, and to speak and communicate and how to, to, to live and, and be healthy. You know, I wanted to mention a, uh, another thing that I had read in a book about children when, 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 when parents, uh, get angry at, at, you know, are angry with their kids, that small children uh, are often very egocentric, right? Not often, they are, because as they're developing, right? This is how they're developing their, you know, who they are in context of the world, who they are in context of themselves, who they are in context of the people around them. You know, and they're creating this this structure of of identity, and and and, and what will happen is, is if because kids are so egocentric, and it's natural that they can take their parents' anger, or and as a way that they're they're angry at themselves, and see it as as being angry at who they are themselves, and not in a situation that they can't separate the two. And this is something that I read in a book called. Um, I don't know. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna post it after, but uh, I forgot the name of the book, and it was it was very interesting because it really it really taught me a lot about how you know the way that children perceive and and uh, and I thought that it was very interesting. 
Yeah, there's a, I, I follow a lot of different uh, developmental theorists. And one of the more modern day ones is a guy by the name of Robert Keegan. Uh, and he, he kind of took a, a Jane Lovinger's model of ego development and he just sort of enhanced it and brought it to today's terms. Uh, what's interesting in, in his developmental theory is what you just described. It, we go through this process of having an ego develop, which is very early in life. In fact, when we first born, we have no ego. We, we have no concept of anything. It's just like, we're, you know, imagine if all of your senses were removed and five new senses were attached to your body and you woke up one day like that how bizarre the world would appear. You wouldn't wow. have any idea of what the signals were bouncing into your brain. It, it, would, it would take you a long time to figure that out, right? So, but that's what happens to a newborn. They come on, boom, you know, all the sensors are online, but they're not even refined yet. It takes six to eight years before the senses are fully refined. So they're, you're getting a, a whole bunch of messed up signals that are constantly changing those first few years. So you really can't, get too hooked up on the outside. So you're forced to develop something that makes sense on the inside. So this creates the emergence of ego, right? So your ego gets developed and, and then suddenly at some point you realize that you have to relate to the world if you want to survive. You're, you're completely dependent on your, 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 your environmental agents, your parents, to get you through those first couple of years. But at some point you become a little bit self-sufficient. You can go grab your own glass of water you can go grab a banana or whatever you need to eat. I mean, you start to understand I can do for myself to some extent. And it's that time between I'm completely helpless to I, I can do something, that transitory phase where ego and the outside world are starting to intermix. And when we have these lessons that we're so dependent on from our parents, our parents become are, are like deities to us, right? They can do no wrong, they're providing us the nourishment, the roof over our head, they are the perfect creatures, right? They're providing everything for us. Now they are also behaving in a way and telling us, you know, you did a bad thing and exactly what you said, you, you learn from that and you're trying to mesh the difference between your ego experience and the outside world and suddenly the message crosses over and suddenly you go, I'm a bad person. I've been told by my deity that I'm a bad person, right? And then that becomes cemented into our being from that point forward. At some point, a trigger could occur to where that, that comes back up at age 35, at age 45, at age 65, it doesn't matter what age. Something will trigger that moment where you decide I'm a terrible person because you were in the middle of this developmental process and that was the lesson that was learned. So these are, these are uh, issues that, that parents need to be mindful of because we have to really pay attention to what it is, what we're saying, and even more than just what we're saying, just the energy that we're putting out, right? You, you've got to put out a positive vibe, um, a vibe that, that is conducive to autonomy, a, a vibe that produces initiative, a vibe that puts out support and encourages exploration and discovery. That's what we need to put out. But oftentimes parents, 
are quick to judge and push those opportunities away. And what we end up with is a child that's filled with guilt and shame. That's terrible. Yeah. And we grow up. He's, our first default whenever we make a mistake is, it's all my fault. I'm a terrible person. Right? And so it's so important. This first three to five years, how we behave around our children are so critical. I mean, it, that, that's the foundation of who we're going to become for the rest of our lives. And unfortunately, parents, we don't get this information at school. You didn't learn this in, at your public high school or your private high school or even at community college or any of that stuff, unless you specifically signed up for those classes. In my, in my opinion, this should be mandated stuff. Mm-hmm. At high school, when you're, lear- you're learning a bunch of crap, <laughs> you should be learning about human development and what's going on at the mind, in your mind. So that when you start uh, communicating with folks that are less developed, which are children, Children are just adults under construction. And so when we start talking to them at these different ages, we modify our language to where it's most appropriate and most beneficial to, to them growing up. Are you, um, do you want to give some examples? Can you give some, some, some examples of that? In what, in which area? Do you mean? Uh, in what age you mean? Oh, at what age? Yeah. Well, I, I, I developed the, uh, a system called the Cognition Tower. And it's a framework that I created a course for and I also use it in a number of other parenting courses. And really all it is, is it's a pretty simple four-step process. You look and, and it's not all biological, I mean, it's not all chronological in its determination. We're fixated on, on birth date numbers and stuff. And that's not how we develop at all. We have a developmental age. And it could be two, three years plus or minus your actual birthday. That, that's the way it works. So you have to be mindful of the fact of where your child is on this developmental process. Not all 12-year-olds act like 12. There's 12-year-olds that are behaving like nine right now out there. And there are others that are operating like they're 15. There's a big difference between a 15-year-old and a nine-year-old. And, and so in society, we just push kids along based on their birthday. And so that's one of the big problems we have with our educational system is that, oh, that's your birthday. You're supposed to be at this level. We're going to move you along or you're labeled a failure, right? So this, this, is, this is the problem. If we identify that some of us are going to be late bloomers and some of us are earlier bloomers, we can put, our, put people in those proper categories and educate them at the level that they're ready to develop at. And... While we can't force that on society at this point, we can do that at home. We can do that at home. We can pay attention to where it is our children are on this cognition power and create a communication strategy that we're going to use for our children. So there's one that takes place, really you don't really have to concern yourself with level one. That's when they're babies. Okay, everybody gets a pediatrician book. We know how to deal with babies. But it's from that point forward, the next three levels, we get zero education on. So when they're about, I call it the walkie-talkie phase. As soon as they start learning to walk and talk, you've got to start creating an environment for that child to be more autonomous and more initiative in their, in their operations. And, and, and so we don't want to be going and grabbing them and picking them up and you know, slapping their hand every time they do something that doesn't fit our rules, right? We want to, we want to create a safe environment 
but we want to encourage exploration. And, 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 and at this point in time, this is when we can communicate and really get down on that emotional level. And we might want to introduce some words to them to help them develop better uh, language skills. The next level is when they enter grade school. And now it's not just they're the masters of their domain. And that second level, by the way, is where ego is, opens up. And they believe that they're the puppet masters. <laughs> I want to do it myself. I want to do it myself. Is it that stage where they just want to do everything by themselves? Yeah. I want to do it by myself. Or, you know, they'll throw a tantrum, right? That's the tantrum stage, typically, until they get what they want. Because they're exploring all these opportunities. They're trying to figure out how to manipulate the world because they're egocentric and they think they're the center of the universe. And they, you know, oh, I grabbed this cup and it fits nicely in my hand. And oh, that works. I need a new cookie. How do I get a cookie? Daddy, <laughs> daddy, daddy, cookie. I mean, I mean, this is the way it works, right? All right, so <laughs> the next level, they, they're introduced to socialization. They got to compete for attention with a professor or a teacher standing in front of them, right? Everybody wants the same thing, you know, and, and so you have to learn how to get by in society. And so you, you, you start to create these rules. And through that development of rules, you're also comparing yourself to other people. Competency becomes a major player. Your self-esteem is on trial. This is what's happening. You're, you're, you're either good as somebody else or you're not. And you're, off, you're constantly being reminded by your peers who don't speak. <laughs> they speak emotional language mostly. So they tell me, you're fat and ugly. You know, I mean, that's, that's what they're telling you. And you're, oh, I must be I'm a horrible person. Or you're, hey, man, look at him. He got straight A's. Oh, teacher's pet, teacher's pet. You know, so we're getting it all the time from our peers. And while that matters, we're really paying attention to the adults in the room. And if the teacher's guide us right, the coaches guide us right, parents guide us right. It, we don't really pay too much attention to the peer pressure. It's when the adults in the room stop paying attention to us. And now all of a sudden, we've got nobody else to pay attention to except for these other ratty kids who don't know anything and they're gonna try to put you in your place. Uh, and so it's so important that we understand that once a kid gets into school, their, their, their self-esteem is being developed. And if, if they come out of that experience of feeling like they are not good enough, they'll end up on a couch one day. They'll end up coming to a therapist, therapist one day, or they'll end up coming and see me and with that blockage that says, you know, I wanted that job promotion, but deep down inside, I don't feel like I'm good enough, right? And, and so that's where the seeds of all this come from. So we have to pay, that's a whole new focus. We have to understand that when our kids get into school, they're competing for attention. They're looking for significance and acceptance. We need to provide that for them because their peers aren't going to do that. <laughs> they're competing with them. So we, we have to be mindful of that. So quick, can we back that up a little bit? I think this is uh, your, your, uh, your step in, you know, you're moving into something pretty big here uh, is the I'm not good enough syndrome, which is, something that many, 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 many of us have experienced. Um, many don't even realize that it's something that, you know, that's, that's there deep down. 
And what you're saying is, is that as children move into grade school, as their ego starts to um, uh, as their ego starts to come online, that we uh, we need to be giving them that attention and that approval because they won't be receiving it in grade school. Is that, am I, uh, am I understanding correctly from the, well, you, you, you have to be, yeah, some, yeah, you're in the right ballpark, but just to more clarify it, some of, some of the kids will get the attention from the, from the, uh, from the teachers and the principals and all from the other adults, right? They're going to be fine. But if you're, if you're sitting in a classroom, you're a kid and you're sitting in a classroom with 30 other kids, how much attention can you possibly get? And usually what ends up happening is like two or three kids will get the attention of, of the, of the uh, teacher, right? There'll be those two or three kids that, that, you know, the kids are always, we're not worried about those. It's the other 26 kids that won't be getting the same level of attention. So that's, that's the vast majority of kids going to school. So now the parent really has to pick up, you know, the parent has to really stay on top of what's going on and maybe get more involved with the school if they have time to do that. But if you don't have time to get involved with the school and create kind of a network through the school so that they know that you care and then they'll pay more attention to your child, you got to do it at home. Where, what I'm not understanding is where is that, how does the not good enough syndrome uh, tie into that? Well, the, you get the message either from uh, the social pressures, okay? So if the parents aren't reinforcing that, yes, you are good enough, and that, yeah, you're gonna fall down, you're gonna make mistakes, not everything you do is gonna be wonderful, but those are opportunities to learn from, let's see what we can do and build up, and you create a strategy for, for dealing with failure, okay, which is helpful. If we don't create strategies for failure, and we just assume there are no strategies for failure because nobody's teaching us strategies to deal with failure so you can become successful. The default is I'm a failure. There's nothing else to think of. So if, if you don't have uh, the adults in the room, you know, giving you that information and lifting you up, then you're listening to your peers who are telling you you're terrible, right? Because they're, they're competing with you. And so that becomes the message. So when the girl that you kind of admire says, I don't like you because you're smelly, suddenly you, you may have a stigma about smell for the rest of your life, right? And if somebody else says, if you go home and then mom says, get those stinky socks out of the living room, I told you about that. Boom, 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 we're starting to make connections. Okay, so if anytime I smell bad, it's a bad thing and I'm not good enough to be around people because I'm a stinky person. So. That's just one example. It could be that uh, academically you're struggling a little bit and it's not because you're an idiot. It's just because they haven't placed you in, this, in the proper challenge of courses, right? We all need challenge, but some of us are entering cl classes uh, based upon our chronological age that are too demanding for us. So we're not gonna be able to, to keep up with the average, right? But we're being compared with the average. So, the teacher then gives you a D or a C or an F and you go home and there's a note on there, you know, I, Johnny's not doing so good. Dad goes, what the hell are you doing in classroom, man? 
Are you doing the same shit you're doing here? You know, when I talk to you, you don't pay attention. I bet you you're not paying attention to your teacher. Whoa, shit, right? What kind of lesson are we getting there? Yeah, you're knocking on hot heartstrings, man, talking about all this stuff, yeah. <laughs> so we're, we are ultimately gonna go, well, I must not be good enough. I, I'm not good enough for my dad to give me praise. I'm not good enough for the teacher because he's giving me Fs and stuff. They don't understand my struggle. Nobody understands me. So that's the other big one, right? Nobody understands me, right? And, and then the conclusion is, is because I'm not good enough. If I was good enough, people would take the time to understand me, to, you know, to, to relate to me. But people don't want to give me any time of the day. Nobody wants to give me any acknowledgement or significance. And we're talking about Maslow needs now, right? We're talking about things that we need. We need to feel belonging. We need to feel uh, that we are connected to people. We need to feel significance. And when that's being removed from us by our peers, or more importantly, by the agents that are in charge of our environment, the parents and the teachers of the world, we've got no choice. We don't outrank them. So in our own mind, we go, these superior beings have acknowledged me, knighted me an idiot, or not good enough. And so we, 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 we take that burden with us for the rest of our lives. And we move through life and yes, we'll, we'll have some successes, but deep down inside, we know that we've got this thing that says that we're not good enough and we're gonna visit that from time to time and it's gonna kill our opportunities in life. So to bring this back around to parenting, if you're demonstrating this as a parent, that there are some, some things in life that, you know, certain trigger words, <laughs> if you say certain things and suddenly I can't handle myself, this is the example that you're, teaching your child oh that you are limited as well everybody's limited which is a myth nobody's limited you have unlimited potential it's just a belief that you have it's been embedded into you because of the conditions that you've been exposed to and it's just a cycle that's been repeated generation after generation after generation you and i could break the cycle we don't need to keep doing this that's that's my mission you know, my mission is to impact 1 million families by 2030 with this kind of information to teach their kids so the next generation doesn't grow up with all the issues and needs that we have today. So how do we, how do we break the cycle? And maybe you can uh, tell us a little bit about uh, you have some courses that you've created. Um, yeah, what, what I'm going to do is... Uh, Josh and I have, have an affiliation together, and, and I'm gonna, we're going to pop uh, a link down on the feed here, I guess, in the group, um, and click on that. That's going to take you to my school, and you'll see all the different classes that are available there. Um, there's self-help development classes. There's a ton on parenting, um, and I've got some package deals. Uh, they range in price. They fit anybody's budget. In fact, I think the best deal that I have is the subscription program. Uh, for 29 bucks a month, you have access to everything in the library. There's 25 different programs in the library right now, and I'm continuously upgrading it. If you want more about what you, Joshua and I are talking about, divorced dads out there, we've got a primo course for you. It's, it's in there. It's, uh, it's for divorced dads. He and I worked on it together. I brought kind of the theory side to it, and Joshua shared his personal experience. I think it's one of the best courses I've ever produced because we get this, this two perspective 
you know, view of, of what's going on. And, and Josh was so dynamic <laughs> and wonderful. I mean, he just like, I, he's got bigger balls than I do. I got to tell you, cause I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I would go into some of the stuff that he talked. He's like, just took his heart and said, here guys, I'm going to show you. This is what's happening. This is what I'm feeling. And this is what it's all about. And I'm like, Holy Christ. <laughs> oh my God. What's going on? Here? So yeah, Josh was great. And we teamed up and we did this course. If you click on the link and you scroll to the bottom, you'll see it right there. Uh, I think it's 49 bucks sign up for that you'll be doing yeah. Joshua and I a big favor you'll be helping me with my mission uh the more money I create the more opportunity I have to get more of the message out and really it's about changing the planet and it's yeah. not that hard guys it sounds struck it sounds like a difficult thing but it really is I don't think so Joshua, right Joshua you can attest to this we're so we're, we're in it we're in it together we're doing this and uh I think I want everybody else to get on board you guys because um it's this is about helping ourselves and helping our kids and and helping the next generation and we 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 really need it we i think we need it and our kids need it and i think that as we move into this we grow from it our children grow from it i'm sure that every single one of you out there wants the best for your kids growing up wants them to have the most opportunities and uh the more that our children believe in themselves and see that there's an infinite amount of opportunities out there, um, then then the more you know the change will happen and the ripples will come from it. And Donnie, I'm, I'm, I want to say thank you so much uh, again. What a, what an amazing uh, value packed hour. Uh, apologies about getting on late here, but I, I just want to say I, I thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it. So much value here, and this is this is very. Uh, this is what we need. This and and I just I cannot believe that there there isn't more content out there. So uh, again, guys, there are a bunch of co courses that Donnie has put together. I, I'm going to drop the link below wherever you guys are watching this. Um, if this is Facebook, guys, do me a favor, like it, uh, share it. Okay, you're watching this on the group right now, but we'll put it in other places. Like it, share it, share it with your friends. Uh, tell other people all about uh, Donnie's courses. You can tell people about my uh, my work that I'm doing with men and dads also. But again, the link below to Donnie's courses is down there. And uh, I would love for every single person to get on there and to be a part of this change. And it starts now. So thank you so much. Thank you, Joshua, for this opportunity. It's always a pleasure to do anything you ask. Just let me know and I'll, I'll jump on and do one of these again, if you'd like in the future. Um, and again, if you guys have any questions for me, I'll check in the group too. And if, if there's anything directed to me, I'll do my best to answer ASAP. All right, so, uh, so we're gonna be clocking out here. It's 10.09. And uh, I hope everyone has a healthy, happy Easter and a healthy Corona. I think that, <laughs> There's a lot of potential for change right now, and, uh, and, and there is there is no better time to step into uh, the realm of our, ourselves, our inner selves, and, and we're at home right now. Is there a better time to start working on stuff like this? I don't think so. This is really, this is the time. So much love, everyone. Thank you very much, Donnie, and we're going to be ending the recording now. Oh, one more thing. If you're watching this on YouTube, click subscribe. <laughs> Bye.